This is R.J. Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes this down. This one by Mattingly. Oh, hang on to it. R.J. Barrett does it again from downtown. He is just tearing the Orioles it's apart. Good. It's good. Randall gets the bounce, and he there ties the game. Houston ducks under. Got it. All right, well, here we are. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I wanted to do another one. Because yesterday I was kind of just rushing through it, tired, spent, and I want to air my thoughts out legitimately once more before we head to the All-Star break. And I just feel like last night, after that debacle, that nearly 30-point blown lead, it wasn't the best episode. I should have probably waited. Not that I was wrong. Everything I said, in my opinion, obviously, uh, I think I was correct on, but... I could have added a lot more input, gone way deeper into it. And I just feel like that wasn't the case. Because I was just all over the place after that debacle of a loss. But, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the state of the Knicks. Basically just the state of the Knicks as an organization. The front office, head coach. There's an obvious disconnect, which we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about this team, where I am with this team. And, uh, yeah, man, this will be our final episode before the break. Again, I might have, you know, one, two, maybe three, I don't know, shows during this nine-game layoff, nine-day layoff. But All-Star break is coming up. At least Obi Toppin's in it. He's he's in the dunk contest. <laughs> Knowing the Knicks, Tom Thibodeau's going to be there to, uh, to take Obi off the court and make sure he doesn't get more than one dunk attempt. That was a poor attempt at making a, a playing time uh, joke, which obviously did not go well. That was bad. <clears throat> I'm watching this um Bucks Bucks uh Philly Sixers game. And uh I'm I'm a, I'm like I got bedhead right now. I'm just so <laughs> I need my haircut. I'm I'm exhausted. I look like the Knicks look this season. I'm watching the Sixers Bucks game, final game of the NBA before the All-Star break. And I got a little parlay on it. It's a 10 legger. 10 pick parlay with 10 bucks down. It was a free 10 buck bet, I, f- I figured. Why the hell not? And um, it ain't looking too bad, but I don't know about Danny Green hitting a couple of threes. That might be the one that kills me. Everything else looks like it's on par. What's not on par is the Knicks, and we're going to talk about them. But first, guys, if you have not yet subscribed, 
to this podcast. Do it now. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You're listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees index analysis. We also do MMA on the weekends. May or may not be talking about this upcoming fight night. Kind of a boring card. I don't know anybody on this card. Not even the main event. But, um, of course, we're going to be talking about some fights in the future. Because we've got that big 272 card coming up. And I think the Islam Makachev fight's coming up, too. If I'm correct. Benil Daryush injured himself, so he had to back out. And I think uh, Bobby Green is unofficially taking that spot for now. All right, let's talk Knicks. Like I said, if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do that. You can find BD4 on all the listening platforms, and you can also watch this podcast uh, too on YouTube. If you haven't yet, follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook, RJ Carbone, and I'm also on Instagram, at Rob J Carbone. All right, let's head to it. Let's get to break, get back, and we'll talk about Thibodeau, the uh, the FO, and the Knicks when we return. Hey guys, so I've noticed that only a small portion of you who watch BD4 on YouTube are actually subscribed. So if you do enjoy this podcast, and maybe you want to be notified when new episodes release, I'd consider subscribing and also hitting that notification bell. This way, we can help the channel grow, and you won't miss a single episode of BD4. Alright, let's get back to it. So, if you guys want to follow me on social media, be sure to do so right now. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone, and I'm also on Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Once again, if you want to find me on Facebook, that is RJ Carbone, Instagram at Rob J Carbone. All right, fine, we'll talk about it. Let's get to the Knicks. (laughs) It's just not looking good, right? And to recap what we mentioned at the top of the show yesterday, um, and as you're listening to this episode, it should be February 18th, the latest, maybe the 17th if I can get it out. But most likely early, early February 18th, um, which is a Friday. But... Like we said at the top of the show yesterday, man, the Knicks blowing leads left and right. They blow a lead by 21 points to the underachieving Lakers on February 5th. They blow a late 12-point lead against the Utah Jazz just two nights later. 
they blow a 23-point lead on the 12th to the lackluster Portland Trailblazers who are without nobody, are with nobody anymore. And then you lose in overtime to an inexperienced tanking Thunder team on Monday who were without Dort and Gilgis Alexander, their two best scorers. And now you face a depleted Nets team without Kyrie Irving, without Durant, without Ben Simmons. You go up 28 points on your home floor. Although it certainly sounded like Barkley last night. All all five Nets fans were in attendance, but they made it loud. Unfortunately. And you blow it. You blow the lead in the second half, and you end up losing 111-106. I would like to look at what the score was in the second half. (laughs) But it was once again one of those games where it was an outstanding start. You know, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time recapping this because we did last night. But, you know, the Knicks making a true effort to play with pace and up the tempo of the game. They were moving the ball well, knocking down their threes. A quick offense. You know, they were 5-for-5 five five on the arc. Grimes, Fournier, Randall hitting a pair or hitting a, a few from downtown. Playing high effort, high intense energetic defense everybody was moving everybody was active it looked like an actual basketball team the funny part as I mentioned last night I go upstairs and I talk to my dad about it and I tell him dad they're going to blow this lead knowing the way this team is and how they've played lately they are going to blow this lead but the funny thing is I was sort of half joking because the other part of my mind was like you know they're up 30 points to a depleted Nets team. There's no way they lose this one. As bad as they are, they'll probably let the Nets make a fake comeback, but they won't exactly blow it. Third quarter comes. The pace slows down. And so does the shooting. We start over-dribbling. Randall's passing up open shots to dribble into the lane, and he's missing. And that is where it began. Right there, the pace. When the pace slows down, the Knicks slow down. Their offense disappears. It vanishes. Mark Jackson was saying it. JVG was saying it. They were on point about the same thing. It's all about their high-tempo pace. When they get out run and, and start running, they play better. And they stop doing that. <laughs> and am I toxic? for getting the urge to root against the Knicks in that third quarter in the midst of that meltdown? That's up to you to decide. But I I think I was rational because I I think we're all tired of seeing Thibodeau commit the same exact mistakes and expect a different result. So I, I wanted to see him face the consequences live. I wanted to see him face the consequences of an embarrassing defeat and come to that realization of, hey, maybe running my starters into the ground for the 59th straight game isn't the best idea after all. 
But I don't know what I was thinking with that idea. Because this is who Thibodeau is. He's a concrete, hard-headed coach. He has told the media all season long in these post-game pressers, complete BS, right? That he's going to play the best available options. False. We were also told that the Knicks were planning on moving their veterans on deadline day to free up rotation minutes for their younger prospects. They made zero moves. False again. And now we're being told that just wait until after All-Star break, which I laugh at for two reasons. One being that's total BS. Okay, because I don't buy that anymore. Lying to us day after day. And two, even if that were true, oh, great, thanks for waiting until 70% of the season is complete to finally do so. And don't give me, don't feed me the, the, the whole you're raising their value for a trade in the summer thing. That's ridiculous as well because veterans are veterans. You can't showcase veterans. The league knows who you are once you have experience and, and you peak. Like an Alec Burks, like like a Nerlens Noel, like a Taj Gibson, a Kemba Walker. The league knows who these guys are, Fournier. You're a vet, you're a vet. That's it. They know what you're getting. You know, playing good for the last 30, 20-something games of the season is not going to, not going to, they're going to forget about that in the offseason. You know, the offseason, they're looking at your numbers. They're looking at your career. They're looking at your season stats. They're not, they're not going to look at what you did being showcased for a couple of games at the end of the year. So don't feed me that. And listen, I understand if I'm Tom Thibodeau, you know, he's 64 years old. He's in the twilight of his NBA coaching career. He's coming up on that 400 club soon. Okay, so he's out there looking to put more wins onto his resume. And I understand that. And it's easy for us to sit here and blurt out, play the kids, play the kids, tank this, that, whatever. But that's why I think we should either move on or at the very, very, very least, sit down with the guy. Be honest and tell him, Tom, this is our plan. This is our direction. Are you the guy for it? Are you not? And if not, you got to get somebody in there who fits what the front office has been attempting to mold. And by that, I mean somebody who plays the players that the front office drafted. And we're going to talk about the front office in a second because they are not scapegoats. and They're not to forget about. They are to blame just as much, if not more. But they did draft Obi Toppin, 23 years old, in the lottery two years ago. They did select Emmanuel quickly in that same draft, 22 years old. They drafted Quinton Grimes, 21 years old, I believe. Um, Deuce McBride, 21 years old. And Jericho Sims, 23, in this most recent draft. They traded Kevin Knox and a first-round pick for Cam Reddish, 22 years old, just about a month ago. Most of those players I just named that the front office is handpicking to groom and to develop, most of those guys aren't playing under Tibbs. 
you know, quickly is an exception. And that's it. And, and Grimes. But OB isn't playing. Miles McBride's not playing. Jericho Sims is not playing. Cam Reddish is not playing. So Thibodeau and the front office are on two completely different pages here. He's just not playing the guys they select him to play. He's not playing them. Last night's latest examples, and and I'm saying examples, plural. Obi played 11 total minutes despite contributing with 8 points and 4 rebounds. Julius played in 37 minutes, and he had a great game again. He's turned it around. But once again, he gasses out in that second half. He played the entire third quarter, Randall did which is where the momentum shifted despite going one for seven from the floor. No adjustments were made. He played the entire third. Coaching. Mitchell Robinson struggled to stay out of foul trouble against Drummond last night, which I'm kind of fortunate about because otherwise he would have been thrown out there for 40 more minutes and he could have been injured like RJ. And instead of running Toppin out there, a little more, who has statistically played well when paired with Randall up front, and we'll get to a statistic on that later. Thibodeau elects for his favorite 36-year-old Taj Gibson to get 25 more minutes. And that's another instance of him picking favorites. This is a guy who he spent his entire career with in Chicago and, and in Minnesota for a couple. And remember how we talked about in that Lakers recap a couple of weeks ago how Thibodeau was badly outcoached by Vogel who's on the hot seat Vogel benches Westbrook in overtime for 20 year old Tucker who was 0 for 5 right you don't see Tibbs doing that shit Nash also a coach on the hot seat or not I wouldn't say he's on the hot seat but he's not a great coach outcoaches him last night he does the same thing entering the fourth quarter you have New Jersey with just 73 points They needed some offense. They needed some shooting. So what's he do? He takes out Drummond, who was on his way to damn near 20 rebounds, and he puts Aldridge in because he needs offense. And Aldridge goes off for 11 of his 18 points in the fourth quarter, looking like it's 2013 again. That's Steve Nash adjusting to the flow of the game. Another instance of... of Thibodeau being stubborn. Cam Reddish receives 13 minutes last night. Just 13. Now, he didn't shoot the ball particularly well. He was 1 for 5 for 5 points. But that shouldn't be enough to justify sitting the kid for the other 35 minutes of this game. With the ability he's shown to get to the line since he's been here. Two dribbles. Finishing. Get him out there, man. Try him out. You got a point guard. A pretty washed Kemba Walker out there. And also a point guard, an out-of-position veteran in Burks, playing that lead guard role in the second half, mostly. Really? Every night with this. You got McBride, who was also tearing up the G League, by the way. He's got eight starts, and in seven of them, he's over 20 points. He's averaging 29 on the season. But I digress. Forget that. It's G League. 
Simply showing some faith, though, showing some confidence in your young players goes a long way. Doing the opposite and not showing faith can be pretty detrimental to their confidence. Especially for someone like Cam, right? Who asked his way out of Atlanta because of not getting enough PT. He was averaging 23 minutes over there. And he wanted out. Now he's averaging half of that. And he's playing in what? He's played so far in eight games. He's a wing with size and athleticism. Play him. Play him. And even when guys like Cam and like Obi are out on the floor, you'll see it often where, where the way Thibodeau instills them in the offense, it's so poor. They're out of their roles in the offense. They're hiding in the corners, off the ball, as these floor spacers, completely out of the play. Again, Cam is a guy who just needs a couple of dribbles and he's in the lane. When he's in the lane, and he's at the rim. He can draw contact. He's athletic. Obi, another athletic wing. He's a great cutter. And an excellent player to use in the role. Or in drive and dump out of that dunker spot. Play him. Another instance last night. Grimes. Now Grimes has been getting playing time. So props to Thibodeau there. But this kid was 3-for-3 in the first quarter. Two of those were from downtown. The remainder of the game, he gets just two field goal attempts. One shot in crunch time. Yet, you've got someone like Fournier, who's 35% last night. Less points than he has shot attempts. He still getting all these multiple actions ran for him, and he was the second. On, yeah, he had 17 shots. He was second on the team. And quickly, quickly, he was the Knicks' hottest shooter last night. He finally breaks out. Finally. And he scores 18 points on 7 for 10. Goes 4 of 6 on his threes. Even has 4 more assists. But it's once again Alec Burks, who scored 3 points in 26 minutes overall, that gets the nod at the point guard spot over IQ in the 4th. IQ checks in with a minute and change left. And I, I mentioned the Aldridge thing by Nash. There was also another instance I want to bring up, and I think I brought this up last night too. But if you missed it, I'll repeat it. Last night, 20-year-old rookie Cam Thomas missed nine of his 11 attempts in the first three quarters. But Steve Nash shows faith, and he rides with them in the fourth. And Thomas ends up rewarding Steve Nash, going 7 for 10, scoring 16 of his 21 points in the fourth. He's He was the one that hit the dagger to send Jim Dolan home early. Again, how often do you see Thibodeau give his prospects a leash like Thomas got? Or how often do you see Thibodeau make an adjustment within the flow of the game like Nash did with Aldridge? You don't. You don't see that often. And once more, not to say that McBride, Cam, Obi, all these guys are going to be superstar players, because I don't think that. You know, the, the verdict is still out on all of them. They're not going to be superstar players. Neither of them are. 
but why does it have to be to that extreme? You know, why can't we just see it the way? Why can't we just see what they have? So you know how much of an upside we're talking about here. You know, why can't we just try and maximize our assets? You know, tanking doesn't always have to be about the draft. I know this Ivy kid is there, whoever. But sometimes it's just simply about evaluating your young talent. That's all it needs to be. Why can't we just play them? Not because we think they're going to drop 30 a night and lead us to some more wins. No, we want to see what they have. Evaluate your talent. Because, I mean, it's time to get real, right? It's time to get real. You're looking at a team who is 25 and 34. They are a 12th place team who has to jump two teams just to get to the play-in. Four games back from there. There's a 75% chance they won't make the tournament this year. And that's, that's to be honest with you, that's a conservative estimate. But even if they somehow find a way, they'll have to win two games in a row just to face a far more superior team in the actual first round of the playoffs, which will likely be a sweep. So if you're being real, you're brutally honest, it's best to pivot your focus onto player development from here forth. Because I'm tired of it, you're tired of watching this team go out there, get big leads, and then give it right back up because we refuse to make an adjustment. We start hot, we play with rhythm, you know, last night we're playing you know, that pace and space, Brad Stevens-style offense. We're hitting our shots. Then we suddenly go back to what doesn't work so early in the second half. We slow it down. We play that 90s-style of half-court hoops. Burks is that point guard dribbling east to west, and he's not a good finisher at the rim. Trying too hard to get to the line. Out of the offensive rhythm. We're running through pick and roll just to get to Randall in some elbow iso. Randall's trotting up court just to do some handoff with Fournier. And I understand some of the lack of offensive identity has to do with not having RJ in these last four games to run actions out of that pistol formation that he so much likes to do. But it goes deeper than that. The offense is a problem with or without RJ Barrett. With or without Derrick Rose. You know, we cannot keep running out a slower offense with the same couple of sets in the half court and expect to survive in an era like this one. We can't. And maybe that's it. Maybe Tom Thibodeau knows he's done. Maybe he knows something we don't and he's actually gotten more stubborn as we've gotten deeper into the season because he knows that it's over for him soon. Maybe that's why Randall's been dogging it most of the year. And now he's picked it up because he knows something we don't. I don't know. And um, I said I was going to mention a stat. I was looking at some of these lineup combos, and I was listening to a podcast, and they read this stat off, and I double-checked on basketball reference because I have no trust. I don't know why I like to see for myself, but I was amazed because I hear this stat. and Since the start of last year, Julius has played 4,600 minutes. Obi 1,500. Together, they've played in 139 minutes together. Despite the success we've seen when they coexist, they've got a plus 2.7 net rating in that span. And if you watch it, they run faster, they hit their threes, they're dunking, cutting. Despite the success... When they play together, they don't get the opportunities. They don't even rank within the 
top 20 two-man tandems and minutes played on basketball reference on the Knicks roster. It's, it's sad. But instead, Thibodeau likes to go with his more traditional defensive-minded backup bigs. Right, He opts for his 48 minutes of rim protection over youth and athleticism. Randall Obi have a 108 defensive rating this year when together. Randall with Noel and Randall with Taj, 113. So it's nothing crazy of a difference, but it's enough to where you should try switching it up when you consider they're slightly better defensively and they're much better offensively with him and Obi running that 4-5. Experiment. Experiment. That's all we're asking. You're losing. You want to tank with vets or do you want to tank with players who are going to be here long-term or players that you could use as trade assets? Tank with your youth. It's painful watching us play basketball and, and, and seeing these older guys just go out there. It's painful watching us play the drop on these good shooting teams as opposed to trying to fight over those ball screens. You know, it, it's painful watching us sag so far off the perimeter trying to cheat middle for no reason just to give open, give up wide open threes. There's a lineup of Emmanuel Quickly and Obi that has the best rating on the team this season, plus 11.8. But we don't see it often. So again, it, it just it's going to remain this way too, so long as he's up here in the, in, at the head coaching spot. The lineup, the lineup combinations, the rotation as a whole, it's bad. That's why a lot of people are advocating for Johnny Bryant if the Knicks do make a change. He's younger, he's more progressive, and he ran that high-tempo West Coast offense when he was underneath Quinn Snyder in Utah. Again, I'm not aggressively advocating for a firing just yet. Some Knicks fans, a lot of Knicks fans are. But I am definitely not against it either. If it happens, I'd be kind of satisfied. And I get that the Knicks are at, you know, at some point are going to need some stability at that head coaching position and they can't keep playing musical chairs. But that does not mean you need to stick with somebody who is unfit here just because. You know, Tibbs is a fine coach. He's not a bad basketball coach. He's a good coach. Again, he's approaching the 400 club soon. But it doesn't mean that you just it doesn't mean that you're a fit here. Being fit for a team and being a good coach are two completely different aspects. He's just not fit. You know, he's fit on a contending good team that isn't or shouldn't be in rebuild mode. And if slash when the day comes where the Knicks do move on, you already know the NBA media narrative, right? You already know they're going to run with the scapegoat. Um, fall guy narrative. But the real diehards like you and I, the ones who invest 48 minutes of their time every night into this team or every other night, know exactly what's going on. Know exactly why things are the way they are. 
And this is where I want to pivot to the front office. First, I want to head to break. When we get back, we'll wrap it up and talk about the FO a little bit. Stay with us. So BD4 is on so many platforms to listen to. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can find us on our sponsor, Anchor, and many other listening platforms as well, wherever you get your podcasts. But we are also available to watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, go subscribe there. But if you prefer to listen to us, again, many, many, many listening platforms. Just be sure to subscribe, download, give us a rating, a review, comment, share the podcast, and all that fun stuff. This is BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. All right, folks. Now, if you are listening to BD4 on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star rating and a review, if you so please. So once again, this is if you are listening to BD4 on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. Thank you. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode. But first, I also want to let you know I have another blog. The blog I'm writing for is on ultimatesportsnetworks.com titled The Bomber Bocker Blog. If you want to go subscribe to this blog, you should do so using my promo code 6A2841ERJC. Using that, you'd get a discount $7.99 a month to get the best Knicks and Yankees opinionated content around. Once again, guys, the Bomber Bocker blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com using promo code 6A2841ERJC, $7.99 a month. Okay, let's wrap it up with with some front office talk real quick. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so it's this this whole Thibodeau thing. Not to say the front office has been great because they've not been great. Um, and I actually saw this post on social media on Instagram. I would credit the account, but I forgot who. I'll go back and if I can find it somehow in my archives somewhere, I don't know. Um. I'll give the account name in the description or something. But basically he was saying how Leon Rose in this regime is very similar to the Steve Mills regime. At least a similar trajectory. Trajectory. You know, you hire a coach that doesn't try and further the development of the young guys. Um, You've got, you bring in guys who... uh, doing a pretty poor job draft scouting and draft management and you think back Frank over Donovan Mitchell that was a Phil Jackson pick but again this era you've got Obi over Halliburton or even Desmond Bain who I wanted very badly if you remember when we did our draft scouting on BD4 that was one of the first guys actually the first guy we went over 
Instead, we took IQ. Um, and you have us in this weird spot where we're going to miss out on the top pick because we're not bad enough. And because we're not good enough, we'll probably pick somewhere in the 8 to 14, 15 range. Which isn't great when you consider, again, our, our subpar draft scouting. And going out and missing all these top flight free agents again under this regime. DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo, you let them go to Chicago. There are a couple of other names too. I'm not thinking of at the top of my head. But instead, we overpay for players who do not fit the Thibodeau style. Right? We talked about how some of the guys that we want some of the guys that we brought in, rather, given Fournier $73 million, that was a complete mistake. Bringing in Kemba and sticking him with him as long as we have, that's failed. So it's like, why are you at the same time giving him guys that you know he's not going to play? And these prospects? And, you know, he benches Kemba. And the whole thing erupts. And he's forced to play for you because of politics. But also, why aren't you influencing? You're the front office. You have the superiority, if that's a word. Why aren't you influencing him and putting a little pressure on Thibodeau to play these young prospects you've got? The ones you drafted for, the ones you traded for. You are the front office. You have that control. Thibodeau's not playing GM anymore like he was in Minnesota. He's just simply the head coach. Why, you know, that's where it confuses me. Because you got Leon Rose, who's, first of all, this guy speaks to the media once a year. I forgot what the damn guy looks like. I would have forgotten what he looks like if it wasn't for the damn Tony Soprano memes. But he's bringing in these random new consultants out of nowhere from time to time. Like the latest one being this Rosas guy. And it's got to make you question, you know, is it because he's got no clue what he's doing? He needs this much help? Then you got the report today about World Wide West and you know his conversation with Dolan. West is telling Dolan how Tibbs is to blame for part of this season. There seems to be a lot of drama, a lot of finger pointing, a lot of politics going on here, and I do not like it. So it's looking pretty grim at the moment, you know, but it's weird because it's like Leon Rose was the one who handpicked Tom Thibodeau because they've got a close relationship. So it's very confusing, very confusing. I don't. There's that's what I'm saying. There's an obvious disconnect. They're they they're not on the same page. And this conversation that we keep talking about needs to happen. Sit down with each other and talk. Air out your grievances. Air out any miscommunication. This has to happen. Get it together because right now it's not looking good. That's all we've got. We're gonna head to our final break. Get back. We'll wrap it up with the NYY, NYK, MMA question of the day. Stay with us.
I hit the uh, wrong button, didn't I? I never want to break. Whatever, we'll start it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, our NYYNYK question of the day. Oh, did it again, guys. See, we're new to MMA on the podcast, so we always forget that part. Um, but this is a Knicks question. Our NYYNYK MMA question of the day for this episode 324 is a Knicks question. It is a true or false question. True or false? The same Nick to lead the franchise all-time in rebounds also leads in steals. If true, who? Alright, the same Nick to lead the franchise all-time in rebounds also leads in steals. If so, who? So let me know if that's true or false. Facebook, Instagram, you know. If you get it correct, I'll give you a shout out in the next episode. Alright guys, that's all we've got. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, episode 324 in the books. And we'll see you whenever we see you. Um, at the very latest, it'll be the first game out of break, but we might throw an episode in there during break. We'll see. Alright, later. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It's the best way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm.